Praise God. Tonight we have the we are having the first um, record of encounter in the year. And uh, I believe that is gonna be from glory to glory in Jesus' name. Please have your seat. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Who can tell me the theme of this weekend? Um, I can't hear you. How many of us want to attain that maturity? Hallelujah. You know, let me ask you, what do you think is the greatest wonder? What's the greatest wonder? Huh? What's, what's the greatest wonder to man? And I said, oh, something is a wonder, like say, wicked of wonder. What, what's the greatest wonder you can encounter? Jesus, of course. His name is wonderful. Apart from Jesus, what's what, huh? wisdom? Okay. Power. Salvation. What else? Deliverance. Knowledge. Okay. You know you are all correct, but they are not the greatest. They are great. But the greatest wonder in the world, please keep it low, it's too loud. The greatest wonder in the world is the wonder of growth. Hallelujah. The greatest wonder is the wonder of, 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 can you say it like you know what you're talking about? Is the wonder of what? Can you chorus it one more time? You know, somebody said that the greatest discovery of, of all time is the discovery of the fact that you can change your life by changing your mind. And growth is simply about changing your mind upward. Is that for Sunday? You came with a glass. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. You're welcome. Amen. Hallelujah. That's, that's one of the greatest blessings that God has given us. The, the blessing of change. And um, growth is about changing upward. Growth is about what? Changing upward. So that's why the, in, in this weekend we are focused on teaching. Hallelujah. So it's going to be more like a teaching meeting. Amen. So... Um, I know some of you, you want to pray, you want power, and prayer is good. We've prayed, we just finished praying, right? Amen. At least this meeting, we've prayed for at least 30 minutes. First, um, um, the opening prayer, the prayer after the, um, the worship, the confession. So, at least we've done like 20, 25 minutes of prayer. So, we'll focus on on teaching, we'll focus on teaching, so it means I will teach most of the time. And I want to tell you that 
there is difference between deliverance and freedom. There is difference between deliverance and freedom. Deliverance is an event. Deliverance happened once. Freedom happened gradually. Do you know what I'm saying? Deliverance happened once. is an event. But freedom is a process. Freedom is a process. That's why when you are saved, you are delivered. But what you continue to do after salvation is what brings you freedom. Deliverance gives you um, it, it gives you uh, deliverance Bring freedom. I don't want to repeat words. I'm trying to look for words. Deliverance separates you from the oppressor. Let me put it that way. Deliverance separates you from the oppressor. But freedom separates you from the oppression. Because it's possible for you to be delivered and not free. That's why the Bible says that the truth shall what? Oh, is that what the Bible says? Please, somebody should go to that verse. I'm not going to tell you. Somebody should go to that verse and um, if you can. You know, that's why we, we are confusing ourselves. Yes. Can you give us? Yes, yes, yes. John chapter 8 verse 32. Yes. You want to read for us, Pastor Derek? Okay. Yes. Yes. The truth shall make you free. There's difference between set you free and make you free. Should I explain the difference? When the Bible says you will know the truth. And the truth, because what's, that's John, right? That's John chapter 8, verse 32. Now, John was talking to Christians. So he wasn't talking about salvation. He wasn't talking about deliverance. They have been delivered. So he said, You will know the truth. And he didn't say the truth shall set you free because if the truth sets you free, it means you are still bound. And it's looking like, like freedom is a product of something you are going to get. And it looks as, as if it's an event. Set you free. Like you're bound, you're set free. You're set free. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says you will know the truth and the truth shall you are the freedom. The truth will make you free. I don't know if you get it. The truth will, will make you become the freedom. So freedom is not something you acquire. It's something you become. Amen. Freedom is not something, it's not an event. It's something you, you become you become, you become it. The truth will make you. He said, follow me. I will make you. 
fishers of men. Also, expose yourself to the truth and I will make you free. So, the greatest blessing is when we expose our minds, we expose ourselves to the truth and truth through the instrumentality of the truth, which is the word of God, which is knowledge, we become the freedom that we want. He's not talking about you'll be delivered. Because you can be delivered and not be free. Now, you are not delivered by the truth. You are delivered by the finished work of Christ. You are delivered by faith in the finished work of Christ. But your freedom that's what determines how you, you express your life in this new kingdom is as a result of the truth that you expose your mind to. So you can see people can be born again the same day in the church, come to the church the same times, but they do not experience the same level of wisdom, uh, of freedom. So as we are all seated here, we are not all free at the same level. Because our freedom is not a function of laying of hands. The freedom we are talking about is not a function of an impactation. It's not a function of an event. It's, it, it's a function of what you make happen. You shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. So, what I'm trying to say is that exposing your mind to the truth, to the world, to the knowledge of the world is the most important thing. That's why teaching is very, very important. And I believe when the Bible says that he has given some of them, some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and he said, and teachers. I believe that the teachers, the teaching part of it is supposed to cut across. Because that's where the real work is. That's where the real work is. An evangelist can come now and win soul. But those souls that are delivered, they are not yet free. So they can live all their lives bound as Christians. We have a lot of Christians who are living bound. Who are living in fear fear. You want to sleep, you are afraid because you know that somebody is going to start pursuing you. Freedom is not as a result of power. It's a result of knowledge. But knowledge is power. Do you get it? It's, it's, as, it's, not, it's not as a result of what you are feeling in your body. Oh, I feel the anointing. Oh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel the Spirit of God. No, no, no. It's not, it's not about what you feel. It's about what your convictions, the things that you know. Like you know, like you know. When, they, when you hold 1,000 error, you know this is 1,000 error. You can go confidently to go and buy suya. And you tell the man, I want to buy suya 800. Why? Because you know that you are holding... 1,000 naira. But you can't hold 1,000 naira and go to Shahama place in uh, 
what's in the workplace and say you want to you will you 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 will go there but there will be doubts you see doubt is as a result of what you don't know whenever you doubt something is because there is assumption mixed with knowledge when assumption is mixed with knowledge it produces doubt amen but when knowledge is pure it produces conviction you know it like you know your palm so you don't doubt it nobody can tell you you know this is it told you some time ago one I, I slept after i served it i slept and i woke up in the middle of the night and i discovered that i was it's as if i was dead i couldn't raise my 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 hands i couldn't raise any part of my body i couldn't move i couldn't move at all and i have all the reason to believe that i've been spiritually attacked but you know what i knew it i knew i was free and i just said it in my mind i couldn't even talk out i couldn't speak out i just said it in my mind there i said satan i'm going i'm going back to sleep now if i wake up you are still here you are in trouble that's all and i fell back to sleep it was in the afternoon i was already in school doing some running and that's when i remember ah i had an experience in the middle of the night to oh, it's knowledge that it's not because I felt some power, it's not because I, I it's, it's because I know that I am free. I know my place in Christ Jesus, I know who I am. So I don't begin to bind and to bound. You can be binding and bounding when it is other people who don't know who they are, but when it is you, there is no need to bound. There's nothing to bound. There's nothing to bind or bound or there's no you 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 just know it that Satan, this is the limit. You can't pass this place. Hallelujah. So the greatest miracle that will happen to you is when you grow. When you grow. And that's why we're talking about spiritual maturity, this all through this weekend and I'll be of course teaching from this book this my new book or newest book so if you don't have a copy yet get a copy it will be um, for this weekend it will be the art copy will be sold for 1500 but after this weekend it will be sold for 2000 naira also you can have the online the e-copy online is just 1000 naira online so you can get the e-copy well like i said you're not permitted to share hallelujah it's foolish people that share those kind of things amen amen praise the lord hallelujah please let's take care of those children so that we are not distracted in any way hallelujah i hope you will not be distracted tonight so tonight we are, we are, we are talking about spiritual maturity and um I believe it's going to be a beautiful time in God's presence. Hallelujah. So, I'll start from Colossians chapter 1, verse, verse 27 and 28. Colossians 1, 27 and 28. I'd like you to, if you want to write, you can write. And, and I, 
I will suggest you write because um, it also, it's, it, in a way, it helps sink in some of the things that you have heard. Even though you have the book, as I teach, there will be a lot of things I will be saying that might not be in the book. So, and I will also not say everything that is in the book. So, of course, amen. All right, can we read from, from verse 27 together? One, two, go. To them, God will to make known what... Oh, why are we reading like that? We are here already, all right? So let's, let's put everything in it. One, two, go. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 28. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that they may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Another word there says, another translation says that we may present every man mature, mature in Christ Jesus. Let's read the last verse, I think verse 29. It said, to this end... The people here are not reading at all. All right, all right. Can we read louder? Want to go again to this end? I also labor, striving according to the working which works. So Paul is saying here, this is the reason why I am striving. This is the reason why I labor. Why? That we may present every man mature. See, all the things I'm doing, all the missionary trips I'm taking, the, the reason why I've been victimized, the reason why I've been beaten, the reason why I keep giving it everything, he said, there is only one reason that I may present every man mature in Christ Jesus. And that's my assignment. That's my assignment in ministry. That's my assignment in this weekend of wonders to present every man who hears it who attends it mature in christ jesus and to this end for this purpose i labor i labor hallelujah so reading from chapter one we said that he said the goal of god is not redemption or salvation the goal of god the purpose of God is not salvation because most times we end at salvation no that's not the goal salvation is the first phase his aim for establishing the church is not for miracles it's not for breakthroughs it's not for attendance it's not for wonders and signs and all those things why you know you know what if we really become mature in christ jesus we ourselves you won't be in need of miracles you won't be in need of signs and wonders the people that will need it will be the unbelievers the outsiders in fact really according to the scriptures miracles are for unbelievers some of you you don't know that miracles are for unbelievers go and check it out 80 percent or even 90 percent of the people that receive the miracles of jesus are unbelievers 
That was the last time you had one of the disciples was sick and Jesus laid her hand on him. That the disciple, one of the disciples was sick. Peter was sick. Huh? No. Or James needed deliverance. You will not hear it. What you will hear is the people outside. So you see, and there is nothing wrong with all those things. There is nothing wrong with miracles, signs and wonders, prosperity and all those things. There is nothing wrong with them. However, that is not the goal. That is not the goal. That's not the focus. That's not the reason why Jesus died. As great as salvation is, it's not the goal of Jesus. It's not the goal of Christ. The goal of Christ is that we'll come into maturity. Is that we come into knowing who Christ is. Is that we'll, we come into being perfect in Christ Jesus. So being born again is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. It's just the key. How many of you know that even Adam was still growing before he fell. He was still growing. Adam was still trying to find his... He was still trying to come into perfection. He was still trying to come into maturity. And as at that time, there, is no need, there was no need for salvation because he had not fallen. Sin has not come into the picture. So even after the perfection of righteousness we must also come into something amen. amen when we have dealt with sin we have dealt with all those things that's when the journey begins the journey to maturity begins the fact that you do not sin again does not mean that you have you have come into perfection hallelujah oh the fact that you've overcome sin you have overcome this and that that's part of it that's a very big step you know, in, in, in our journey to spiritual maturity. But that's not the end. That's still part of the journey that we are going through. So if, the, if this is the goal of God, it automatically becomes the goal of the church. So if the goal of Christ is to bring us into maturity, is to mature us as saints, then it becomes the goal of the church. That's why Paul said, he said, this is my goal. He said, to this end, I labor. This is the reason why I've been laboring. It's not, the, the goal of the church is not to raise the richest man in the city. My goal as a pastor is not to make you the richest man. My goal as a pastor is not to make you successful in your career. Even though while I'm doing other things I'm doing that can come into play but I must never forget that that's not why I am called into ministry hallelujah because today we you know even in church we we begin to compete oh this is the richest church this is the richest pastor this is the richest member this is the richest this the richest that no our goal we are not called to be the richest we are called to be rich We are called to be we are, because you know what is available to us. What is available to us is not just is it, not just it's not measured in time. I don't even understand. 
you know, the things that a believer owns is not, is not, is not the things he owns temporarily. A believer is rich because of the things he has access to. Not, not because of the things he possesses at a time. Why? Because in the world, they measure the richest man by what they possess per time. That's why between 2020 and 2023, there has been the richest, like four, five, six people have been the richest. Because once you lose some billions and somebody makes some billions, you overtake. So the richest man now may not be the richest man in the next few minutes. The richest man now may not be the richest man in the next few days. However, our wealth, we are rich not because of what we have per time, but because of the things we have access to. The resources we have access to. I think it was that Jill that was saying, he said, he, said I'm he said, I'm the richest man on earth. And of course, we all know that he wasn't talking about the money. He said, I, I said, I'm the richest. He said, I'm the richest man. He said, why? He said, because in every city, I have a house at least. Not a house in my name, but if I get to any city in the world now, and they say, Adeboye is here, at least I will have five people who are fighting to house me. If I just say, mistakenly say, ah, I don't have the shoe to wear. You discover that shoe sellers will make the, they will make the biggest profit that day. If I say that, oh, I just I just want this particular suit. I, I love it. Shoes will fill my house. Let me tell you, even the richest man. Sometimes, if the richest man enter this city, you may not know. So the things you have as and see that access is there forever. says is there forever. It's about when I need this thing, can I get it? When I need something, can I get it? So we are not called to begin to fight and look, you look at your account and you are happy. That's foolishness. The moment your happiness is determined on your account balance, when you see your account, you are excited. You are not different from that man that Jesus said, <laughs> He looked at his account and he said, oh, I have labored. See, I'm, I, my, my barn is so filled. He said, I will build another barn. I will fill everything. Now, I will have zero, 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 zero. Now, I will have so, so amount of money. I will now sit down. I will now enjoy my life. And Jesus said, what a foolish man. What a foolish man. A foolish man is a man that defines his wealth by, the, by his account balance. Who is a foolish man? A foolish man. Who is a foolish man? Some of you, your mood changes and swings as your account balance swings. <laughs> when your account balance is getting to be red, oh, you are, it will just be as if you are on your period. You, you, you're just you're there. Arab coin, go, 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 go. You are on the edge. Ah, they greet you. Ah, everything. Ah, you are just. You are. You are just. But the day your account balance is high, even your enemy, you will laugh with them. 
you will laugh with them. No, God didn't, God didn't create you to have mood swing. Mood swing is not of, 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 of the children of God. Mood swing is of the children of the world. We don't have mood swing. We don't have mood swing because the Holy Spirit doesn't swing. The Holy Spirit, the, the, the character of the Holy Spirit is unchangeable. The joy he gives us flows every time. Irrespective of time, season, situations, circumstances, he supplies that joy all the time. So you must understand, if I say I am rich, I am rich. If I say I am rich, I'm not, it's not because I have 1 million, 2 million, 10 billion in my account. Hallelujah. So we are not called to be the richest. You need to understand that. We are called to be rich. Read the scripture. Have you seen anything richest? Have you seen anything like that? No, it talks about rich, 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 rich. Even the place we read said about the rich. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Even the aim of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the investment of Jesus, the investment of the Holy Spirit, the investment of power, of knowledge, of wisdom, and everything that the Holy Spirit invests in us, that God invests in us, is for the purpose of growth. It's so that we can grow, we can mature, we can, we can increase, we can become more. In Christ Jesus. So, it is important that as the church, we must be preoccupied with this assignment of maturing saints. You know, that's our, that's our tag night for now, right? Maturing the saints. Bringing saints into maturity. Bringing saints into perfection. The saints are not perfect people. They are perfecting people. They are people that have been perfected. People that are going through growth. Amen. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 to 16. I will not read everything. I will just read some. It said, but to each one of us it was given according to the, to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gift of to men. Now, now this, okay, let me just jump to um, the next verse. He said, and he himself gave some to be apostles and some prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the what? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature or perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now let me quickly say this, that it's possible to come into perfection. Do you get It's possible to come into... Are you with me? Are you with me? Please don't, don't, don't trivialize what we are teaching tonight. Don't trivialize it. Your key to reigning and dominion lies in this key. It's not in your laying of hands. When you get this, you, don't, you won't need a laying of hands. You won't need a laying of hands. You, won't need, you, you, just, you just come, learn, and, and, and dominate. 
So that we say that they will all come to the unity of faith. It means that we can all come to the unity of faith. A time will come that we all come to the, even though we know in part, we learn in part. But as we continue to learn, as we continue to grow, there is a time that we'll, we will come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God a, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. It's possible to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, not measures. We were given measures, but that measure is supposed to grow until we become full or we come to the fullness. Hallelujah. So the major problem in Christianity today is that believers are defining success based on material possession. Many think being rich with cars and houses means that you are in tune with God. Don't ever forget this. God come first in your life. You must get the knowledge of God. You must know that God is the goal. All the time he is the goal. Christ is the goal. Every other thing follows. Our pursuit is Christ. Our pursuit, our major pursuit in life is Christ. Not any other thing. Not cars. That's why even when we don't have cars, we are not unhappy. We are not sad. Some of us, you know, the way, see, believers, you must grow up to the extent that Christ is your one and only delight. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you know what I'm saying? That Christ is your one and only the, that the only thing that brings delight to your soul is Christ. To the extent that nothing in this world, material, can dampen your spirit. Nothing. Some of us. The only thing Satan needs to do to dampen your spirit for, for one week is for your, let your, your phone screen just break. Your phone screen just break. You enter into perpetual sorrow. Some of us just lost your phone. Just lost your phone. You, you, you can't find your phone one hour. Hey, all your system, all the system in your body, everything. You don't know how it's doing you. You start going to the toilet. You, 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 you become cranky just because of your phone. Because you find delight in phones. You found delight on social media. The other day, I lost my, I couldn't find my phone. I wasn't even, my, you are not even looking for it. I said, why should I look for it? What if it's lost? Glory be to God. For almost eight, 18 hours, I, didn't, I couldn't find the phone. It was the other day or the second day. I now found it where I kept my shoes. I was like, you are here? I was even sorrowful that I found it. <laughs> I was like, why did I even find you, Sam? Hallelujah. You know, nothing, not, not, not even the fact that, oh, whether I have car or not, if I don't have car today, it doesn't diminish me a bit. 
a bit. It doesn't, it doesn't affect my sorrow a bit. It, could, it can affect the way I move around, my mobility. But that my, my self-esteem is based on the car I, I, I drive. Never. That's why I'm not ashamed to jump on bike any moment, anytime. I can jump on bike anytime, anywhere. I can even drive the bike anytime, anywhere. Because it doesn't change who I am. Some people, the school they attend affects their, 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 their self-esteem. Uh, they look at people who went to Covenant University as lucky people. Say me, Maapoli. So when you go to an interview with somebody and say, which school did you go to? He said, Babcock. Which school did you go to? He said, Covenant. Which school did you go, go to? He said, University of Nottingham. Which school did you go to? He said, Toronto. And you look at yourself. It's Oshiele you went to. And you, you just look at yourself. <laughs> what, what chance do I have in life? See all these very lucky people. Me, Oshiele. And you've forgotten that there is Christ in you. you. You've forgotten that the priceless thing that a man cannot buy, the, the one who created the whole world, who, who owns knowledge, lives in you. The one who can teach you all things, even things that Harvard cannot teach, lives in you. Then you begin to look, yourself, look at yourself. That's why you lost the job. Because the consciousness of who you are is not inside of you. And it's because you not, you've not grown. It's because you're a baby. Because babies don't know who they are. Babies don't even know their name. Sometimes they couldn't even pronounce their name. That's how sometimes they can go with strangers. They are easily persuaded. They are easily convinced. Hallelujah. So, the, 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 the problem is that when we measure success in today, we, we've seen success as, as how many cars do you have? That's why some people will judge the success of our church by how many car park, how many cars are in our, in our car park. They don't judge how many people know God here. How many people are being raised here. They are concerned about the cars in the car park. They don't, they, don't, they, don't, they don't praise the commitment of people. They don't praise the growth of people. They don't praise the, the transformation that is happening inside people. They ask how many cars do they have in their church? Cars? Did Jesus die for us to buy cars? Hallelujah. Because when people who drive good cars come to church, we give them the choicest place to sit. Say, this one is rich. It will support the ministry. <laughs> it will help the ministry. And I'm not, I'm not saying we, we, you know, in this church, we honor everybody, right? We respect, we love everybody, we honor everybody. According to Christ. To Christ honor, not according to your pocket. Hey. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So we must be careful how we define success. Especially as believers. 
God wants us to totally be undetached with worldly wealth. We will have it. We will have a lot of it. And I'm telling you, we will have a lot of money. Yes, we will have a lot of, but it won't, it won't change who we are. It won't change us. Because some people, hey, it's because they don't have money, that's why they're still judged. Once they have once they can afford, once they can afford that car, you will see them in that club. You know, I was saying one of those Sundays, I said some of some people, the only thing keeping them away from second wife is money. Once they have the money, they will have the ah, ah, money. Don't increase now. Let, let's increase. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's why some people marry second wife because they have money day now there's money so let's, uh, let's enjoy life amen. amen amen praise the Lord our goal is to be like Christ our goal is to be conformed to Christ Philippians chapter 3 verse 8 Philippians 3 verse it says, Ye doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. What's dung? Igbe malu. Hashit. That I may win Christ. Thank God Paul was not a failure. Thank God that Paul was not the jobless man. Thank God that Paul is a, well, he, he, he was a successful man. He was doing what he was doing. He was not just successful. He was an elite. He was well read. He was literate. So you can't say, well, Paul was so that because after, after all, he was a failure in what he was doing. You can't say, Paul, well, he was so that because he was writing all these documents because, because he didn't know anything. He was a professor of law. He was a doctor of law. He knows what he's saying. And Paul said, then Paul found something. And he said, I count everything I knew. Every success I had, the, the certificate. He said, I count them as dunk, as rubbish. To the excellency, compared to the excellency of the knowledge. Not the excellency of Christ. Of the knowledge of Christ. And thank God we have, even in our contemporary days, we have people who were PhD holders. People like Daddy Gio, they left what they had. People like Pastor Kumoyi, they left, they left the elite life because they found something. But we found something and we are, we are leaving this thing that we have found and we are pursuing the other things. Hallelujah. So your greatest priority in life is not wealth. It's not success. It's not marriage. It is Christ. Your greatest gain is not houses, degrees, cars, lands, positions, awards. Your greatest gain in life is Christ. And that must be your greatest goal. That must be our greatest, our greatest goal. 
Acts chapter 4 verse 13 said now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and untrained men he said they marveled and they realized that they have been with Jesus you see that when they look at you they know that you didn't go to Harvard you didn't go to Cambridge you didn't go to Babcock you didn't, you didn't, you didn't even finish in Mapoli and they saw the works they saw the wisdom of God at work in you. Then they can trace it that, okay, Jesus. This is Jesus. Some of you, you are so bothered that because, because you didn't finish in Mapoli. So bothered. Because you didn't finish in Iwan. Uh, or you didn't finish in Oshele. Or whatever you go. And you, that, that, that has held you back all the days of your life. Because you think that your life in Christ is tied to your certificate. Hallelujah. So we saw that our our Lord also grew. Jesus grew. Jesus was not born God. He was born a baby. <laughs> you know, God didn't make the mistake he made with Abraham, with Adam. Adam came as a man. But Jesus came as a, as, as a baby. He was formed in the womb. Like every other man. Blood flowed through his veins. Like every other man. Her mom was pregnant of her for nine months. Like every other man. She labored in the place of birth. Like any other man. And she came out. She cried. In the night. He won't allow Mary to sleep. He was crying when I mean he just didn't start talking at the age at the age of two months. Say, mommy, I want milk. I'm hungry. No, the Bible didn't say that. He grew. The Bible says, and the child grew. It's in the Bible there. Luke chapter two verse forty. Luke two for. To Luke 2 40 say, and the child grew and became strong in the spirit filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him do you see that the fact that you are born again does not mean that you have everything you need you are born but you need to grow Jesus was born and he needed to grow Jesus, there is no way Jesus could have fulfilled his destiny as a baby. The child grew and became strong in spirit. It means that there was a time he was not strong in the spirit. There was a time he was weak in the spirit. Maybe there was a time he couldn't pray. Maybe there was a time he couldn't fast. But as he grew, the Bible says he became. What does it mean to become? Huh? It means that you were not something before. You would now become it. You come into it. Say so he became strong in the spirit. Filled with wisdom. And the grace of God was upon him. He grew until he became strong. He became strong. It wasn't just like enjoying the favor of God because he was God. No. Oh. God didn't give Jesus any, any preferential treatment. Say you, you are God class. You are God class. Don't poop on your diaper. 
you are God, don't cry. You are God, don't fall. As you are walking, the day you, st you, st you, st you stood up, that's the day you started walking. No, 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 no. Jesus went through all the process as a man. As a man. Everything Jesus did, he did as a man, not as a God. That's what made him qualify to die for us. He did everything as 100% human. When he was being beaten on the cross, he was feeling every stroke. Every weep. He, was, he felt it like you will feel it. So if Jesus grow, don't you think that you need to grow? If God didn't create a shortcut for Jesus, then forget, he, he can't create a, a shortcut. There's no shortcut for growth. You just have to go. You, you just have to go through it. And it wasn't easy. Many of us, we, we want the easy way out. Christians, we want to, especially in this generation, this is a generation of easy Christianity. We have washed down everything. We want to be a Christian that is not committed. You know, people like to go to a church where they won't be required from uh, from them any form of commitment. They won't be told when to come to church. So, apart from Sunday, I, me, I'm not committed to any. You are not a Christian. You are not a Christian. Because Christian, Christianity is not a religion of convenience. Yes, Jesus paid the price. But there are things we, we must do, effort we must make to make sure that we also come into the things that Christ has done. We are not saying we will, we will do the same thing, but we will make some effort in growth or in growing. When you look at other, other religions, you know what sacrifice means. You know what commitment means. How many of you know what it takes to pray five times every day? You know what it takes to pray five times every day? Just pray for ten minutes. You're already complaining. This prayer is too long ago. This prayer is too long ago. Study the Bible. Now we are teaching. When it is, by the time it is one, one hour now, I started teaching. Some of you start, your face will start changing. You start giving me signs. Pastor, sign. Time is going. <laughs> because we are, we are now used to the religion of convenience. We are busy. Abi, busy with what? As if when we go home, we are not going home to go and sit down and watch television. Or just or press phone. Hallelujah. I was, I was listening to uh, something just shortly before I, uh, this afternoon and the person was talking about how a, a Buddhist had an encounter with Jesus. He came to a church somehow and gave his life to Jesus on Sunday. So they gave him the Bible and said, this is the Bible, just make sure you read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. And by Wednesday, he came back to, he came to visit the pastor. Uh, co -co -co -co. Yeah, the pastor opened the door. Oh, you are here, how are you? Say, I'm fine. How is your Christian journey? Say, ah, I'm enjoying it. 
um, the book I gave you, how far with it? He said, ah, that's the reason why I came. He said, I've been reading it. And um, actually, I finished it and I came if for the next book. So, the man said, no, 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 no. Uh, it's not just Genesis you read. You read from Genesis. You will continue to read it from Genesis. He said, yes, I know. I have read it from Genesis to... And he began to tell the pastor uh, the stories that uh, in Genesis God created this, 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 this. He told the pastor how... Uh, he, he told the pastor revelation. So he said, I finished everything. I am here so that I can... You can give me the next book to read. The pastor said, no, there's no other book. So he called the pastor and said, pastor, do I need to give you any offering or do I need to do any special sacrifice to qualify for the next mystic book or something? Meanwhile, you've been, you've been a Christian for 20 years and you've not been able to read from, from Genesis to, to, to Exodus. You've been struggling with it. Anytime you carry it, you sleep so much on the Bible that it now becomes your sleeping medicine. Whenever you can't sleep, you pick the Bible. Whenever you are finding it difficult to sleep, you just pick the Bible. Say, I know that if by the time I reach one or two chapters, I will fall asleep. What is wrong with your Christianity? What is wrong with your Christianity? Because you don't know what it means to cram Quran by the age of 10. If you know what it means to have crammed Quran by the age of 10, you will know that just reading the Bible is leisure. It's not work. That guy read it two days. He couldn't sleep. He said he, he didn't sleep. He said that because where he was coming from, much, much more is required of him. I had another one. He said in Kano, the guy was a Muslim. He came to church. Uh, his, um, his friend invited him to come and take pictures of him during um, baptism. So, and he had had a revelation before of um, a particular scenario. So when he came to church, he, I told them, can I come with my class? He's, a, he's a, like a staunch Muslim. So he came to the church and saw that revelation and he gave his life to Christ on, 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 on that, was he a Sunday? I'm not, I think it was, uh, it was a Sunday. Gave his life to Christ. And um, gave him the, they gave him the Bible by, I don't know, but in three days, I think it was, maybe he gave his life to Christ on Friday. By, by, by Monday, he has finished the Bible. So he came to the church. In curiosity, he came to the church and the church was locked. And he said, ah, that he wants to see that is there no service today that he came to see this, the pastor. He said there is no service today, that today is Monday, that there's no service. That's the gate man was telling him that there's no service today. He said, Ah, that ah, how can there not be service? He said, No, there's no service today. That it's only on, on Wednesday. That on Wednesday, women, there's women meeting on Thursday, there's meeting service on Friday, there's a Fiji. Then on so, so, then he said, ah. he said, So what am I going to do from now till Wednesday? What am I going to be doing? The, the, the gate man said, go home, go and go and go home. He said, to go and do what? He said, because the, the things I found here are things I want to, that every day I want to come. That's why 
in, 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 the, in the early church, the Bible said they, met, they meet daily. They meet daily. The apostles were teaching them daily. That was what they found was so precious that they couldn't wait the other till the other day to meet. They have to meet daily. There's so much, so much questions to ask, so much to know, so much to come into that they have to meet daily. Some of us we complain about even meetings, the, the, the two times, three times meeting a week. We complain. Ah, meeting is too much. Ah, we just finished one program. Ah, can't we can't we just rest for another program? We've just did that. Well, no, because you you don't know what you have found. Maybe you've not really found it. Praise the Lord. Maybe we've not really found it. That's why you wait till Sunday to read your Bible. Yes. We wait till Sunday to read your Bible. Do you know the commitment some other religions make? Some of them may not bow for years to please their Lord, to please their God. Some of them will not, they will, they will swear an oath not to touch a woman for the rest of their lives. And not just, they didn't just, it's not just in public, in secret. Hallelujah. So we need to know the things that we have found. We need to treasure it. We need to be committed to it. Because growth brings requirements. God doesn't require you to do anything. But your growth will require you to do everything. Hallelujah. Your growth, your maturity will require you to do everything. Let me move to chapter 2. And I think we'll stop there for tonight. Understanding the stages of spiritual growth. Someone should go to John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we read from verse 12. 1 John 2 from verse 12. It says, I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write to you, children, because you have known the father. I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. The Bible makes reference to three categories of people there. Children, young men, and fathers. So, there are three major categories of spiritual growth. Three major levels. The number one is what we call the natural man. The natural man. The natural man. Who are the natural men? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. What does he say? He said, but the natural man receiveth nothing, not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's a natural man. A natural man is a man who is not born again. 
A natural man is a man who has not contacted the life of God. He's a man who is spiritually dead. He said, but the natural man, he does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. A natural man cannot receive anything from the Spirit of God. Amen. He cannot contact the Spirit of God. He cannot connect with the Spirit of God. He cannot receive the, 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 the Spirit of God or anything from, from God. Whatever a natural man has is not from the Spirit of God. And the Bible says that for the, the things of God are foolishness to him. To a natural man, the things of God are foolishness to him. And that's the man you are trying to please. That's the friend you have that you are trying to please. You are trying to please a man whose wisdom of God is foolishness to him. You are trying to go out with a man whose the, the, uh, to him the, the, the things of God looks foolish. And you are wondering why is this so much why, 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 why is this so much against the things of God? Because to you it may be reasonable to go to church three times a week. To him it doesn't make sense. Because he's a natural man. It doesn't make sense. You talk about forgiveness and you are talking about forgiveness to a natural man, it doesn't make sense. The Bible says that the things of God are foolishness to him. You say God speaks to you to sow a seed. You say, are you okay? They are foolishness to him. You don't have anything you want to give. You say, no, 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 don't try it. That's the kind of husband you want to marry. Natural man. And there are men who look as if they have they are in the church, but they exhibit natural nat natural things. No, they are natural men. They are not born again. Because as discovered that there are people who are in church but are not in Christ. Yeah. You can be in church. You are you come to church, but you are not in Christ. There are people that have been coming to church for twenty years, but they've only been in Christ for one week. By the time Jesus calculates all, how old they are in him, they are just one week. There are people who are elders. Like they have the position of elder. I'm not saying elder by age. Like position of elder. Deacon. Deaconess. In the church. They all high positions in the church. But in Christ they are dwarfs. They, they hold no water. So don't be, don't be, don't be don't be deceived by the fact that, oh, he comes to church. Is he a natural man? The things of God, do they look wise to him? Or do they sound foolish to him? When God gives an instruction, do they say this is foolish? Or do they say, oh, this is the wisdom of God? He said, because they are, they are, those things are spiritually designed. A natural man is a man who has not who has not come in contact with the life of God, who have not received the knowledge of God, who have not had Christ in them, that man is a natural man. The things of God are aliens to them. No matter how you try to explain faith in Christ, they, don't, they can't comprehend, they can't understand. You know, it's not about explanation. The things of God is not about explanation. <laughs> no, no, it's not about explanation. The words that we speak are not reasoning words. They are spirits. Yes, 
And if a man does not have the spirit, he cannot understand the words you are speaking because they are, the words you are speaking are spirit. So beyond the language, beyond, beyond the vocals, beyond the letters, the spirit explains to your spirit what we are talking about. So you can understand what I'm talking about. You can reason alongside with it. But give it to a natural man. He will ask one million questions about it. Why? Because it's natural. John 3 says, says that that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Ask your neighbor, are you born of the flesh or are you born of the spirit? Now ask them very well, are you born of the flesh? Or are you born of the spirit? Are you a natural man? Amen. So, this kind of people, you can't even talk about spiritual growth to them. Because they are not even born spiritually. Because they've not encountered the spirit of God. So they cannot grow. Then the next category of people are what the people we call babes. Or carnal man. Babes. Or carnal man. Can you say that with me? Can you say that louder? Babes or carnal man. Now, babes or carnal man are people who are born again. They are what? They are born again. Sometimes they can be tongue-talking. They can talk in tongues. But they are babies. How many of you know that babies talk in tongues? When you listen to Zion, you know that he talks in tongues. She talks in tongues. They can talk in tongues. They can talk. <laughs> so babies in Christ can talk. So the fact that you have you just you just you just, you just, you just begin to make noise up and down. That that doesn't mean that you are anything you are still a baby. Carnal Christians. Carnal Christians. These are people. And are born again. They've had an encounter with the light of God. Uh, they have had an encounter with the spirit of God. Their spirit is alive, but they are still carnal. Why? Because they are still babies. They are still babies. And most times, we mistake spiritual gifts to spiritual maturity. Hallelujah. Just because a man manifests spiritual gifts, sometimes we think that, oh, this, ah, that man is Jim Jim. Oh, that man, oh, he's, ah, he's solid. You can have spiritual gifts and still be a babe or still be carnal. Hallelujah. Let's look at the example of the Corinthians church in the book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 5. He said that you were not... The Paul was talking about the Corinthians church here. <laughs> Thank you. Paul was commending you about the Corinthians church here. So he was talking to the church of Corinth. He said that you were enriched... Now, let's start from verse 4 so that we can have perspective from verse 4. Yes, he said, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. Yes. That you were enriched in everything by him. In all utterance and all knowledge. Yes, verse 6. 
even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. Yes, verse 7. He said, so that you come short in no gifts. Do you see that? Praise the Lord. Somebody praise the Lord. Paul was saying that, he said, I thank God for your life, oh, for the things, the testimonies of the word I've had with you. I've had a lot of great things about you. And one of the things I've discovered that is, 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 is among you is that you come short in no gifts. You, you see that? That is, you manifest all the gifts. Can you tell me some of the gifts? You have a gift of healings. You have the gift of working of miracles. You have the gift of diverse kinds of tongues. You have the gift of interpretation of tongues. You have the gift of prophecies. You have the gift of eh, discernment. You have, you have the gift of administration. You, have, you come short in no gift. So that means the Corinthian church uh, the, is a church that manifests a lot of gifts. It means that there must be miracles. There must be signs and wonders in the Corinthian church. He said, for eagerly waiting for the revelation of Christ. Yeah, they come short in no gift. Yes, he's still waiting for the revelation of Christ in them. Hallelujah. Verse 8. Alright. So let's, let's leave there. Let's go to um, the same 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3. Verse 1. So here we establish that the Corinthians church have all the gifts. Is that true? They have all the gifts. But the same Corinthians church is still the same people that Paul is addressing here. Somebody praise God. Can we read from verse 1? Can we read together? One, two, go. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual. Wait, oh. Can you imagine? Paul just started, he just commended them. He just told us that these people come short in no gifts. That there is, in fact, there, there, there is the testimony of Christ among them. That they are enriched in all grace and knowledge. <laughs> then, it's funny. He's now telling us that, you see, guys, I want to talk to you. But I cannot talk to you as spiritual. What does that mean? What, what an insult. A church that is healing sick. A church that has 5,000 people. As members, a church that when the pastor is preaching, there one sister is giving us prophecy there, and as he's talking, she's talking in prophecy. A brother is interpreting the, the, the prophecy. Don't say as the Lord, this, 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 this. Then Paul come. He say, I can't talk to you as spiritual. Let's continue. Okay, let's start again. Want to go? And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people. But as Cana, as to babes in Christ. Don't be deceived by gifts. Don't be deceived by gifts. Why? Because gifts are gifts. What's the meaning of a gift? Huh? If I give you this. What is it? I said, I give you. You didn't pay anything. What's that? It's a gift. You know, some of these American church, they used to, they, they have sense. Eh? They have sense. They will tell us, with a gift of $2, you can get this book. How many of you, well, with a gift of $5, you have this message 
in your wrong card no be gift. I don't pay. You say with a discount of what the gift. Because if it is a gift, it means that I don't I don't pay for it. That's why salvation is a gift of God. You see, the problem is that some of us we mani- we we mistaken salvation to grace. For by grace are ye saved through faith. I said, he said, not of yourself. It is what. It is the salvation that is the gift of God. That's what you don't pay for. So if it's a gift, it means that you don't you don't pay for it. You don't pay for it. Now, let's also go with the American ideology of with a gift of $2, you can have that also can be a gift. Why? Because you do not you didn't pay the commensurate price. Or the worth of that thing. It's just that it's not totally a gift. See, I want to give you this thing, but I know you won't value it. So pay something so that I can give you, so that you can at least value what you pay for. So the Bible says that this church where they, 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 they manifest all gifts. Why did they manifest all gifts? Not because they have come into maturity, because, because gifts are gifts. It was given to them. It was given to them on the platter of God. They didn't work for it. So when you come into Christ, you come into some gifts. God will give you some gifts. You will manifest some gifts. But don't manif- don't mistaking gifts for maturity. Now, you see, this, that's why many people, we, even we pastors, we make their mistakes. That when you see a, a person just come, to, come, come into Christ, just, just, got, just got born again, and you begin to see some gift in his life, you begin to manifest some gifts, and you, begin, you just give him a, a responsibility. Because of his charisma. Because of his gifts. Well, that's a mistake we make. So that person, because he has not grown to even master or handle the gift, he becomes crushed under the weight of the responsibility of the gift. So the guy is, func- is functional in church for one year. Before you know it, the weight of the responsibility crush him. Before you know it, don't even come to church. You don't go back to go out and be drinking. You don't tire. Why? Because the guy didn't wait to be mature. So most times we, are, we make appointments based on charisma, which is gifts. Not based on maturity, but through appointment must be based on on maturity, not based on gifts. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, this is very, very clear with the Corinthians church here that they have gifts, but Paul said, I can't talk to you as to spiritual people. I can only talk to you as carnal, then as babes. So, to be a carnal Christian is to be a baby. You are born again, but you are a baby in Christ. You have not grown. You have not grown. You have not grown. So Paul mentioned that the Corinthian church is gifted, but they are babes. And where we are going to stop tonight is 
we want to look at the characteristics of babes or infants. We want to look at what are the what are the attitude, the characteristics of babes in Christ or carnal believers. Number one is dependability on God and others for everything. Dependability on God and others for everything. Naturally, when you give birth to a baby, the baby depends on the parents for some years, for some months, years, for many things. Hallelujah. You depend on the, on the mother for food. You depend on the people around you. When you poop, you can't clean your own mess. You, you do, you do, most times you won't even ask because you can't even say that ah, I don't mess up. It is the mother's instinct or the people there who perceive that ah, something is wrong with this guy. Uh, I mean, he has pooped. Let's change him so they will clean him up without asking. Without asking. The only way the baby know how to communicate is crying. That's why like you are always crying. It's a sign that you are, you are a, you are a, you don't want to say it, say it. If you are always crying, it's a sign that you are a, every little thing. <laughs> it is babies that cry about everything. You have not come of age. I don't, you have not come of age. Any little thing, you don't cry. Uh, let me not go for that. So, at this stage, God doesn't bless you because you pray. Or because you live with it or because you do anything. Whatever God does for you, he does it because it's his responsibility as a father. Go back to that first John where we read. First John, I think first John chapter 2 verse 12 give us that first john chapter 2 are, are you are you getting blessed are you getting blessed all right first john chapter 2 verse 12 he said i write to you children why because your sins are forgiven because you ask because you are holy because you are good why are your sins forgiven for his name's sake for his name's sake most of the benefits, the things you enjoy as a baby that you don't deserve is given to you to God because of his own name. You do not receive anything because of what you do as a baby. <laughs> they don't pay school fees. They don't wash plates. You see, they don't wash plates, they don't wash clothes, they don't mop the floor, they don't sweep, they don't, and they are the ones that sleep all the time. And when they want to eat, they can they can eat anyhow. They can lie down anywhere. Yet the mothers and the fathers never stop taking care of them. Why? 
Because the parents understand that at this stage of this child's life, it is my responsibility to provide everything for him or her up to some certain age. So it is not strange that the mother knows. The mother is not expecting any form of responsibility from the child. So you will notice that when you first gave your life to Christ, your life was very easy. Is that not so? When you first gave your life to Christ, it was easy. Was it not? It was easy. Even the, the beloved love you. Abi, they love you in church. Oh, welcome. Oh, first timer. Abi, you just gave your life. They give, they give you special treatment as you begin the old. As you begin to stay three, four Sundays in church, you begin to get in me within the church. You know what I'm saying? You, 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 as, you, as, you are, as you begin to grow, you just discover that they don't pamper you anymore. They don't give you free gifts anymore. If we were the first time, they would tell you, we will give you the book free. But you don't use one year. They say, come and buy the book. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, I read to you literature for, because your, uh, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. When you, when you mess up as a baby Christian, you know what? You don't even need to ask for forgiveness. You don't ask for forgiveness. What happens? God just cleans you. You are cleansed. You are just automatically cleansed. When you are a baby, when you do some stupid things, you go away, you go scot-free with it. Nothing happened. If you even be as if it was a blessing. God will turn in such a way that it's, ah, hey, this thing I just did that was supposed to be before. I was supposed to be punished for you, but it now because ah, it was a blessing. You enjoyed it. It was because you are a baby and God is trying to clean up your mess because it's his responsibility. So you enjoy all these things as a child because of the integrity of the parents. Why? If a visitor comes to your house and they see your child dirty, he don't poo for pampas. Not changed. He looks, he looks untold and tidy. Will they blame the child? Say, ah, ah. Zion, why are you like this? Why are you so dirty? Ah, I see you. Who would they blame? Who would they blame? Who would they blame? Say, ah, pastor, ah, ah. First lady, ah. Everything is not church. I have time for this baby. So, because of the integrity of the parent, they keep to their part of the bargain to make sure that they keep the, the baby clean. The same way, most of the things that God will do for you, the favor, the breakthrough, everything you get, when you are a baby, is God's keeping his own part of the bargain for that period or stage of your life. Number two, less spiritual responsibility is required from from a baby believer when you are still a carnal Christian you are still a baby God doesn't expect much of spiritual responsibilities from you he doesn't First John chapter, chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 he said my little children this is I write to you that you, do, you may not sin and if anyone sins we have an advocate with the father Jesus the righteous and he himself is the perpetrator of our sins 
You get that. You, you get that. We have an uh, Jesus does the work for you. He has done everything for you. He has made all the provision for you. The, the, your responsibility is very minimal. What you are expected to do is little or nothing. Your own is just to eat and grow. Eat, play, sleep, grow. Eat, play, sleep, grow. That's all. As babies in Christ, you don't get to fight many battles. Because the devil is not even after you. The devil is not after carnal Christians. Because carnal Christians are toothless. They are powerless. They can, they, they are, they can do nothing. The devil is not afraid of them. So he doesn't even bother them. And where there are small, small battles, God arise and fight for them. That's how you can go. You go to bed, you don't pray. Carnal Christians, you don't pray. Yet their life is still moving smoothly. They don't pray, they don't fast, they don't read the word. Carnal Christians. Yet it still looks as if everything is going on for is going on well for them. Number three, God bends to your request. I say, babe, God keeps bending to your request. <laughs> still at this level, you seem to be in charge of your life. You make all the requests while God listens and answers you. <laughs> Do you know what? Babies most times always have their requests met. Carry me. But as, as they are even just um, lifting their hands, you can't resist the cuteness. Abi, you can't resist the cuteness. You just, you just carry I want this. I want that. And most times, you meet the needs. Baby Christians, they, they, they are the ones that tell God what they want. God, I want this job. God, I want to marry this man. What do you think? They are the ones that bring names of husband to God. God, today, Alpha, Alpha with today, I want to marry him. They are the one that will bring the name of the wife they want to marry to God. Lord, I found this girl. They, they, they just come, they just inform God for your information. Lord, Daddy, I found this lady. She's the one I want to marry. What do you think? <laughs> Baby Christians, and most times God bends to their request. You see, when, when, when they quote this, and all, um, what's, what's this scripture? Can you call in him and ye and him? What's that? Remember that scripture? Eh? The scripture was talking about that as, as if all the, yeah, all the promise of God in Christ are ye and amen. You see, you know how baby Christian interpret it? That the only thing God said is yes. That scripture is for baby Christian. That, I, ah, that way, all the promise that they are yea and amen. Once you ask God for anything, He must say yes. He cannot say no. He cannot say no. That, that's a baby Christian interpretation of that scripture. And you see it in John chapter 21, verse 17 and 19. John 21. John, Jesus was talking to Simon Peter here. 
he said, he said, he said, he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was aggrieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, listen, when you were younger, you guarded yourself and walked where you wished. You see that? When you were a child, you determine where you go. You said, today, I'm going this place. God, go with me. You choose your own career. You choose your own husband. You choose where you want to stay, where you want to be. Lord, I think I love Abel Kuta. It's cool and calm. And God is saying, it's Shukoto I'm sending you to. He says, Lord, I love Abel Kuta. No problem. You, you carry yourself. You go to wherever you want when you are younger. You are the one that tells God, this is what I want. And God brings your, your request. But hear it. Hear this. He said, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hand and another will guard you and carry you where you do not wish. Others don't go where they want to go. Adults don't go where they want to go. You just have your hair cut. Glory to God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Adults don't they don't they don't like to go where you see children they can go anywhere. They can go to any place. But when you become adults, you do things you don't like to do. You will go places you don't like to go. It is God who will tell you what he wants. You are not the one that will say, God, it's today I want to marry. You will wait. It is God that will tell you this is the person you want to marry. That's why in the Old Testament, there are different, there are, there are two ways you follow God. Amen. 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 Number one, I think it was Sam that was saying, it leads me in the path of righteousness. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. In the New Testament, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. So I'm the one in front. You follow me. You, you, I, you, I will lead you to where you don't want to go. It's where I want to go that I lead you, not where you want to go. So you need to know the differences. If you are always having your way, maybe you are still a babe. Because by the time you begin to mature in Christ, you will go to places that you don't want to go. So when you are older, Another one will you will stretch your hand. Another one will take you and will lead you to where you don't like to go. Maybe Christians are not committed to their local churches. They attend services when they are chance. When they, then when they feel like it, they have their will in their own control. It is what they want. They want to do. But these freebies of life and experience are limited to babyhood level. All these things I've said, they are what? They are limited to being a... It's, this is experience that is just for babies. 
Mark chapter 2 verse 18. He said the disciples of John and the and of the Pharisees were, were fasting. Then they came and said to him, why do the disciples of John and of the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? Because the disciples at that time are babies. So, they don't need to fast. They don't need to fast. There was a season when the disciples were just eating and feasting and drinking. But another season came that they said, we've given ourselves to prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer. Unfortunately, many believers now see this, new, this as a new creation reality. You know what? You know the mistake we now make is that we now make the baby experience, which is a valid experience. That experience of a baby level, we now call it new creation reality. We now round it up and say that this experience, so this is the new creation. Many of us don't get what I'm saying. But by the time I teach this thing like 10 times, you will get it. You will get it. Because some of these things, it, it, sometimes it looks as if they are not interesting. But it's very, very interesting. We now say, oh, you can go on singing, it doesn't matter. You can do whatever you are, you, 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 you want to do, as long as you are in Christ Jesus. Jesus did everything. No, Jesus did everything for you as a baby. Or he will do everything for you as a baby. Oh, it doesn't require anything. You don't need to do anything to please God. You don't need to, no. As a baby, you don't need to do anything to please God because it is God's responsibility to take care of you. Even if you don't pray, it's okay. Mm -mm. Even if you don't pray as a baby. Why? Because we, now, we have now summarized the, the total Christian experience with the baby or carnal believer's experience. Hallelujah. So, let me read a few uh, places in the Bible and we'll call it a night. Hallelujah. I said, uh, unfortunately, many believers now see this as a new Christian experience. Many have interpreted this experience to describe and define the whole experience of the Christian life. Where you do whatever you like and go wherever you want with no consequences. They describe this as unmerited grace and say that you don't need to do anything to work with God. They tell you all sorts of unfounded facts. One of which is, it doesn't matter if you sin. This is incomplete true. It is not scripture. Luke chapter 10 verse 4. Luke 10 verse 4. Jesus was telling the disciples when he was sending them out. What did he tell them? He said, carry no purse. He said, neither carry money. Neither carry money bag, nasad, or sandals. And greet no one along the road. This was Jesus sending his baby canal Christians out. I'm, are you with me here? Are you with me? This was Jesus sending canal disciples. 
He was sending them out. And he told them, don't carry money. Don't carry anything. You don't need anything. My grace is sufficient for you. Just, just go. And you know what? When they went, what happened? In fact, when they came back, they said, we saw the devil fall like a lightning. They saw wonders, miracles. So, even infants can rot miracles. They can rot wonders. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But when you now go to this same Luke, chapter 22, this same Luke chapter 22 from verse 35, Luke 22, 35. Luke 22, 35. He said, and he said to them, the same disciple he sent to, and he said to them, when I sent you without money back, did you lack anything? They said, nothing. He said, ah, we didn't lack anything. No. When you sent us without, we, we, were, we were fine, we were good. The next verse. The next verse, verse 6. He said, then he said to them, but now, he who has a money bag, let him take it. And likewise a knapsack. And who, he who has no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. You see what I'm saying? <laughs> he said before, you went, you did all the miracles because I sent you, because of my name. I did everything for you. He said, but now, I will still do it, but I will have to do it through you. I have to do it with you. Now, you have to carry money. <laughs> now, you have to carry sword. If, if, in fact, if you don't have sword, go and sell your clothes. You get suit, Abby. Go and get your suit and buy gun. AK-47. Because it's not, it's not, it's not, it's not business as usual. What has changed? Maturity. Now they are not, they are no more the babies that are going. Now you will not just see the devil fall like a lightning. He will challenge you. How many of you will challenge a baby when you see a baby? You, I mean, you challenge a baby. You won't challenge a baby. But you are in a place and the adult says, what, what? You know, I did that. No, 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 no. <laughs> this one, I, I deal with you. Eh? You see a baby, a little girl, two years old, with your fiancé. You will not be worried. Even if you carry her like this, uh, uh, you, you will not be worried. But you now see a. A, a 24 year old girl. She now not carry her like this. Hey, uh, uh. Eh? Right, Manuel. What will happen? That's when you, you know why they, they needed a sword. Because now the devil will challenge them. Let me round up. This is it gets very interesting here. We are, we, are, we are closing very soon. It gets very interesting here. <laughs> he says, For I say to you that these which is written must still be accomplished in me, and it was numbered with the tranquility. Okay, my point in essence is that the dimension of grace you enjoy in your babyhood season is different. 
different from the dimension of grace that you need or you experience when you grew up spiritually. Still the same grace but different dimension or different expression. Please know that this isn't a season to last forever. Your babyhood season is not supposed to last forever. Last forever. Some of you, we've, we've fallen in love with the babyhood grace. With grace that sin without any consequences. With grace that doesn't pray. With grace that doesn't fast. With grace that doesn't, that doesn't go to, it's not committed to church. You are not committed to anything. You have fallen in love with that grace. You love that grace. But I'm telling you, that grace is supposed to sustain you for a time. When it's reached a particular time that God expects that you are supposed to have grown, that grace will expire. Another grace will kick in. Another grace will step in. Hallelujah. I said here, God is expecting you to grow up and leave that stage as soon as possible. This is the purpose of God. Christ and the church leaving carnality and coming into maturity is the goal. Now, Habakkuk chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 5 verse 12 and 15, are, the Bible was talking about that he said, he said, for though by, by this time you ought to be teachers, you, need, you still need somebody to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. So Paul was saying that there's a timeline in God that he expects that by now you will stand up and not just listen to me, but you will now be the one standing here and teaching people. He said, but now you still need to be taught. It means that you have overstayed that season. There are some of us that we have been in church for five months, six months, one year. You still want to be followed up. You still complain. That I didn't come to church for two weeks. They didn't, nobody called me. They didn't follow me. You are overstaying your baby season. Because by this time, you should have grown and begin to follow others up. You are not supposed to be waiting to be followed up again. There is a season you enjoy the follow up. There is a season the pastor comes to your house. Hey, Lisa. Oh, we didn't see you in church today. Are you okay? Oh, we come to your house and all those. All those. But there is a season that even when they don't come to your house, it doesn't vex you. You don't get angry about it. Why? You have grown. You are not the one noticing, ah, this person was not in church. Let's visit him. You are not the one going. See, when you begin to visit others, it's a sign that you are growing. When you wait to be visited, is a sign that you are still a babe. This is the story of many believers. After being in church for 20 years, they still complain that the pastor doesn't visit them. I wrote it all here. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. said, Or do you despite the, the riches of his goodness, forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads to repentance? That's what many of us do. What do we do? We despise the riches of his goodness. His forbearance. You don't know that that time is, is used to clean your bum bum. It's not, it's not convenient. It's not as if it's nice. It's not as if he lost it. When you are cleaning your bomb, your baby's bomb, you, you squeeze your face to clean it. You don't like there is a forbearance in action. There is a long suffering in action. God didn't enjoy doing those things, but he has to do it because that is the stage you are. So you now take, he now said, do you 
despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering. Not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance. It means that all those things that God is doing is waiting for you to repent and grow. He's waiting for you to now grow up so that he can stop doing those things. So that you can go to the toilet yourself and wash your bum So that you can clean yourself. So that you can wear your clothes yourself. So that you can do a lot of things yourself. Because God has a lot of things to, to, to do. There are other babies that are coming that he needs to baby. You need to grow up and begin to help God to baby others. The reason why he's doing those things is because of his forbearance. Romans chapter, chapter 6 from verse 1. He said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in seeing that the grace of God may abide? He says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? The grace you enjoy as a carnal Christian comes with God forbearance and long suffering. We should lead you to growth. Don't enjoy the babyhood grace so much that you decide to make it your destination. Maturity awaits you because that's the destination of your salvation. In the next, okay, in the next chapter. In the next chapter. Amen. Praise God. Uh, one thing I will hope to achieve is that many of us who desire, number one, will know that we are still too long as babies. Because some of us, we don't even know. We don't know that we are. We don't know. We just thought that, oh, this is it. This is the Christian life. Then from, from Sorry, from there, we will move into maturity. There will be a test. There will be a deliberate effort. That God, what, what, what does it, what, 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 what do you require of me? What do I need to do? Where do I need to go? What do I need to know? To leave this stage and come into the next stage. That's the thirst. That's the hunger that it must birth in us. Don't enjoy the baby who sees it. Father, we thank you. I want us to pray just briefly. We are just going to pray and tell the Lord that, Father, help me to grow. Help me to grow. Help me to grow. Expose, even in these three days, expose my mind to what I need to become matured in you. Expose my mind. Expose my mind. Expose my mind to what I need to grow in you. In the name of Jesus. Help me, Lord. 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 I want I, I don't want to abuse. I don't want to despise your forbearance. I don't want to despise the gift of your goodness. The gift of your perseverance. The gift of your love, long suffering. Father, please help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me to grow. 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 In the name of Jesus. Help me. 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 Help me, help me, help me. 
I don't want to remain in the same place. I don't want to remain in the same place. I don't want to remain as a baby. I don't want to remain a carnal Christian. Help me to navigate my growth into maturity. Bring me into maturity. Bring me into perfection. Bring me into maturity. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Bring me into maturity. Bring me into maturity. Bring me into maturity. In the name of Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you because the Bible said the entrance of your world giveth light and understanding to the simple. Thank you for bringing us into understanding of spiritual maturity. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Lord, we pray tonight and henceforth even as many of us that are matured enough to leave the babyhood season to leave the carnal experience and move on to maturity. Father, we pray that from tonight the grace to launch we receive in the name of Jesus. That every power that is retaining us, constraining us to be carnal, not to be spiritual. Lord, tonight we break free from them by the instrumentality of your truths that we have been exposed to, we break free from them in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.